Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Mark at Excellence Expected in my overly English accent for you US listeners out there. That was really English, actually, that wasn't it? Uh, Today, what we are going to talk about is sales. Business is entirely driven by sales. Yes, customer service is massive. Yes, marketing is massive. But at the end of the day, if you are not selling something, then frankly, you're not going to make any money. The trouble is, and I'm the same with this, selling is scary. It's really difficult. You know, you know, we're not salespeople. We're not naturally born as salespeople, but we have to sell and we have to sell without fear. And that is the issue that we're challenging today, how to sell without fear. And with me is someone who excels in this field, someone who runs the National Enterprise Challenge, Mr. Ben Dyer. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you very much, Mark. It's a real pleasure to have you, sir. And just before we dive in, let's just tell people about the National Enterprise Challenge and about you. What is it you do and what is National Enterprise Challenge? Yeah, so National Enterprise Challenge was set up back in 2013, where it's a not-for-profit organization, which we'll come on to later about selling and not-for-profits. But um, it's a not-for-profit organization aimed at improving the enterprise and employability skills of young people across the UK. Um, since we started, it, over 60,000 young people have taken part in the challenge um, and we sold into over 180 schools, um, which traditionally is one of the most difficult markets to sell into. Um, and we've made a massive difference. We've, we've had Lord Sugar as the ambassador of our program and more recently Fear Profitis and, and Rhyme. Um, and this year our grand finals will be at the Alton Towers Resort on the 8th of July. We've got 1,500 young people from across the country attending. That's amazing. Congratulations. That is such an admirable task to undertake. And it must be difficult at times as well, you know, being a non-for-profit and actually putting everything back in there. Is that is that a challenge in itself sometimes? I mean, it is. It's, non-for-profits are very much um, a, a new, still a relatively new concept. Um, but first and foremost, and it's the subject of today's podcast, it, it's all about sales. You, you've still got to be a commercial enterprise in the way you think. You've still got to make, you know, you've got to, you've got to make sales. Um, a lot of not-for-profits fall into that trap uh, of relying on funding. Um, and, and actually, we've grown our, our business to about a 400 grand turnover without actually um, having any funding at all. So, you know, although we're a not-for-profit and we put our, our profits back into what we're doing, um, we haven't relied on any funding. And that's because our, our belief in, in getting our products commercially viable, even though we are a not-for-profit. I love that. I love that. It's a real sort of bootstrap story, and I think that's vital for people to see. And the one thing that I just want to just want to throw into the mix to add a little bit of context is that is your is your background in sales, Ben? Were you sort of brought up around that? Is this something that you had to learn? Did you have to overcome the fear of selling? Um, I, I would say it was a very different fear. My, my background um, is very much similar to the, that, the background you see on Benefit Street. Uh, both myself and my business partner were cousins. Uh, we were brought up, brought up in tough council estates in Stoke-on-Trent, uh, parents who relied uh, on benefits. Not saying it was their fault, of course. You know, we were living in a, in a time where industry in Stoke had taken a real bad downturn with, with the pottery industry and the, the coal mining. So very much, uh, not just um, getting over the fear of selling, but 
just getting by, you know, and I can remember to, to be able to go to the Stoke City game on a Saturday, which was my passion. And when I was 13, lying about my age, making, making out that I was 16 and selling half-time draw tickets down, down, the, down the stadium just so we could go, go and watch the game. So, you know, it's very much something that we, you know, being able to sell yourself and your ideas is something that we, we both relied on from an early age. I can completely relate to that. I was brought up on a, a, a similar estate in Barnsley and, you know, coming from a, a similar type of town, one that had been decimated, the mining industry, which was so prevalent in Barnsley, completely decimated. And, you know, just having to find ways of earning extra money and, and working the hours that you had to work to do that. It's a really, it's a humbling process, but it stands you in, in, in so much good stead for the future, doesn't it? Yeah, massively. I mean, just, you know, just, Selling the half-time draw tickets, then it went on to, uh, I, was, I was working um, at all places in Man City Football Club, again, uh, at 15, which, you know, um, probably wasn't allowed, but you don't see anything wrong with it when you're doing it. Um, so I've been used to working uh, in customer-facing jobs for, for, since I was a you know, young lad, um, and, and I ran a young enterprise um a company when I was at college as well, so so I had an experience of being able to you know getting in front of people and selling my ideas and or selling products etc from an early age. That's really important, and I just want to to sort of shift the gear a little bit and move into the actual selling without fear definition and the the, the challenge to that issue. And specifically to start with, I know I personally have a real problem when I'm when I'm faced with a new client or I have to do a pitch or I'm talking to someone that I know could buy from me, I sometimes have the problem of not being able to articulate what I want from that meeting. I, I seem to struggle to get over what I want to achieve without feeling like I'm selling to people. Is that a general common problem for people? Yeah, I think it is. I think people people worry about sales and actually create a problem that isn't actually there because it, at the end of the day, you wouldn't be in that situation unless they were there to be sold to. Maybe you're obviously, you've got a product that, or a service that they need, and that's why you're in that situation. Okay, it doesn't always happen like that, but nine times out of ten, you wouldn't be wasting your time if it wasn't a situation where you think there's a chance of sale. So um, you've got to strip it back, really, and think, actually, that person wants me here, um, and, and I've got the, you know, if, you, if you're passionate about what you've actually got and what you're selling, whatever that is, then that's, that's, that's the main reason for you being in that meeting. So... So that's the first thing straight away is just just being 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 comfortable in the fact that why you're in that actual meeting or in doing that presentation and comfortable in your own skin. Because let's face it, you wouldn't be doing your products or running your business if if you weren't comfortable in it and you weren't passionate about it anyway. That's a really, really interesting point. And uh, well, I think there are two things to take from that. One, the passion, which I think naturally comes across. And I, for me, I believe you become a better salesperson if you're passionate anyway, you're not doing it by the numbers as such. You're actually doing it and people can tell that you're so passionate about that. And I think I think that's something that people tend to forget. You know, it's all right to have that passion. And that leads on to the next thing, which is being really confident in yourself. I think a lot of people, whether they believe it or not, probably have some kind of self-esteem issues from a sales perspective. And what I mean by that is, when I'm trying to sell something and I'm consciously saying to myself, okay, this is an opportunity for me to sell something that I can do. I almost don't feel that I'm worthy of being able to sell that. Does that make any sense? Yeah. And I think everybody has a bit of self doubt now and again. And, and again, it's just, just go back to 
And see, one of one of the things I always do is I, I start off any sales meeting by kind of just telling them the history of the business. Because actually what that does is it creates for me the excitement all over again and why I set that up. Because if I tell everybody the story, just eat as brief as you can, suddenly you go back to the beginning and you think, you feel quite good about yourself and think, actually, this is something that I've set up because I was passionate about an idea. I had this idea. It's my idea. I now have taken ownership of this and I'm in this meeting. Um, and I've been into some of the most, what, what people would call stressful meetings and actually been more confident than in some of the, you know, some, some meetings where it's just maybe, no disrespect, but just one school who were interested in the in challenge. You know, I've been into big uh, meetings with people like Ryan, with OCR, the example. But because I'm there and I'm sharing my story, that's brought confidence out of me and actually made me think, you know, we've done really well even to get where I am today. So actually, the outcome of that meeting becomes irre- irrelevant. And I, I think, you know, just little tips like that when you're going into meetings really, really does help. I really like that idea. And I'd, just, I'd like to dig into that a step further, actually. How generally would you prepare for a, what you'd see as a high-pressure sales meeting, somewhere <clears> where you've got to really impress? What would you typically do? Well, if I'm on my own, it's different to if I'm with Mike, because Mike wants to prep a lot, and I'm, uh, I'm actually dyslexic. So the way I, I everything's in my head, <laughs> which, which Mike hates, but it works for me. But I, I just always, I've always got my ideas of what I want out of that meeting. Uh, and what I'm willing to give back because that, you know, that, it's always thinking. You've always got to think about what what that person's there for as well, um, and always have a, a, a couple of plans and a couple of scenarios playing out in your head. And you're never going to get your scenario all the time, but you, you know the, the right one for you. But you just always got to have how they're going to play out, and 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 really just just being again, be just being confident. Know what I'm going to say. No, no talk about the business at the beginning. And it's always a good icebreaker because people are always interested in that story, as I was saying earlier. So if you can get your story across, get your passion across in the first couple of minutes and then move on to why you're actually there and, and, and the you know, what you want to get out of that meeting, it, it, it should stand you in good stead. It's so important to prepare. I remember vividly the worst sales meeting that I ever had. And it wasn't necessarily a sales meeting, actually. It was just an introduction meeting to a potential new client. And I was completely unprepared um, it was my own fault completely. I'd, I'd, I'd been running behind on something and thought, we'll still do the meeting. Complete mistake. Should have just rescheduled it and uh, went in and just got absolutely torn to shreds. And I remember coming out of that and just saying to myself, Mark, don't do that again, you idiot. That is not how you do things. And the, the, the prepared state, it takes some time. You've got to invest that time. You can't just walk into a sales meeting and assume that you're going to nail it every time, can you? You do have to put the time in. Exactly. You, you've always got to have an idea. It depends on the, the size of the meeting. There'll be some what I call bread and butter meetings, so you could probably do without thinking about it very much. But, it, you know, it, 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 again, going back to the having a bit of empathy with the person you're in the room with, you, you've got to think about why they are there. So if you haven't taken any time, it, it's kind of like turning up for an interview about researching the company you're going to go and interview for. Because if you, if, if you walk into a sales meeting, the same applies. You know, they want to feel good about their company. So if you can turn around with some facts and, and talk about you know what, what they've been doing, it you know it becomes, it's opens up a bit of a dialogue. And, and and as you said, although there's a there's a fear of selling, there's also a feel a fear of being sold too. So even if it is a sales meeting, they're expecting that to an extent. The more you can get them talking, um, the better a relationship you can you can get a rapport that you can get in that meeting. And it really is about that relationship, isn't it? It's very much around how can we help each other. I always, from from when I'm talking to 
sort of agency clients, you know, the, the, the guys that we do with the design and digital work for, I frequently tell people, you know, this is a collaboration. This is not a master servant relationship. This is a pure partnership. And yes, okay, we've got things that you need, but frankly, you've got things that we need as well. So let's work together on that. And I always find that with some people that disarms them, with some people it makes them feel at home, with some people it makes them feel, I guess, a little bit unaware of, of, of what's going on because they're not used to that in what they effectively see as a sales pitch. And do you find that focusing on the people, you know, like you said, this conversational approach yields better results than a pure, let's, you know, for want of a better word, a pure pitch, if you like? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, you've got to judge it. And I think that's where the, the beginning uh, bit of the meeting comes in. If you if you can see that they've got a bit of buy-in from your story, and that's why I always start with that, because you can kind of judge the person, because if they're not interested and they're being a bit kind of strict, if you like, and uh, and then they're not like that kind of bubbly person who wants to have a bit of a chat to you, then you can you can play it a little bit differently. So that's, you know, it's, it's always in me, my armory to just have a look at that person and suss them out during that little bit of an introduction but but i think in general yes i think the, the conversational and, and and the down-to-earth approach does make people in the main uh, more easy to to do business with and, and, and to sell to because at the end of the day the, there's so many people out there that sell to the script and and don't really seem real if you like um so if you can have a bit of character about you and, and get that passion across even in the sales bit then and it's definitely going to make you stand out from the crowd yeah, I completely agree with that. And Ben, what I'd like to do is just skip from the beginning of a sales meeting right to the end of a sales meeting. Obviously, yeah. the, like, the ideal scenario is to close this sale. Yeah. But that's not always the case, is it? How can people effectively wrap up a meeting? How do you gauge what's going on? How do you gauge the best response? What do you tend to do in that circumstance? Well, you, you, you just got, again, you've got to play a lot of scenarios in your mind. By, by the end of the meeting, most of the time, you, you pretty much got a good idea. Um, and, and just being honest and asking, people, asking them what the next steps are. Uh, and you can usually get, you, sometimes you get the generic response, I've got to take this back to the board, or I've got to take this back to a line manager. Um, but, and, and, and don't be afraid to ask that question, especially if you've got on well. What, you, know, you could be asking questions like, what can I do to get this in today? You know, really, I think this could be really beneficial for us both. What can I get this to, to get this in today? Then kind of questions, no kind of points. Just, just, just um, get a bit more from them. Or, or if, if nothing else, just asking them when, when this should, you know, when should I follow up on this? And a lot of people can, you know, get a bit disheartened by the fact that they've got to follow up. But I actually, I like following up because, you know, and it, it, if as long as you follow up when you said you're going to follow up, and they're usually expecting that call. But, but definitely, if if you could just um, get out of them. The right response, so you know you know when you've got to follow up, or you know when it's going to be closed, and and step by that. Then uh, again, that that should that should stand you in good stead. I think that's really useful, and I, I particularly like the notion of asking. And what I mean by that is really going at it and saying, "What can I do to get this closed today? What can I do to follow up? When should I follow up?" And really making it seem as if they're coming up with the ideas. That sounds manipulative, but the idea that I'm trying to get to is that you're putting the ball back in their court and they're actually dictating to you what they'd like to happen, which which makes them feel like the decision is much more on their side. Does that does that kind of flow? Yeah, I think, well, what you've got to remember, again, going back to what we said at the beginning, you're there for a reason. So it's either they want your services, so in our case, they want us to go into the schools or <clears throat> they want us to be part of their, if they're a company, a CSR strategy. 
And then, you know, so you're there for a reason. And, and I always think, you know, if you can get the deal done, it's better not to, not to waste people's time, to be honest. If they're the right person and, and, and you've got on well, sometimes, like I've said, I, I, I think you know, I usually shake hands on it and say, come on, let's, let's get this done today and uh, we, can, we can start now. And let's just let's just move on to the follow-up actually, because I think that's a really interesting problem for a lot of people: how to effectively follow up, and more importantly, or sometimes more importantly, when to follow up, which I think is a real challenge for people. How do you guys approach that? I, I tend to send an email when I'm back on the train or in the car, uh, not when I'm driving. I, I, I like them to add, um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll send an email um, just just to basically say, "Great to meet today. Uh, looking forward to the follow-up." And whatever time we've agreed. And, and usually schedule them if we can there and then on the uh, on the Outlook or you know to to do the diary um, and, and it's just about being on the ball and not letting not letting chances to, uh, pass you by because a lot of people um, they'll do the meeting think it's gone really well they won't follow up and they'll blame everybody under the sun why it didn't why it didn't happen and they'll because they haven't done the follow up and they haven't kept that relationship going after a good meeting and, and that's what's key if you if you've got a sniff of a good relationship or a potentially good relationship. It's just been on the ball, and they'll appreciate that email as much as, uh, more probably more than you'll think, uh, because it shows that you, you've actually cared about that meeting, um, and, and, and that you're already thinking about the next steps. So they, uh, it's also, re, you know, it makes, makes them think that this is somebody who knows what they're doing, and somebody that's um, professional in their field. And it is all about building that relationship, the idea that you mentioned there around, you know, they'll feel fantastic when you do do the follow-up. It is all about making them feel good because at the end of the day, that's what they're going to associate that relationship with. So I think that's really important. And just to switch that completely on its head, and this is a little devil's advocate, and I apologize this is a, curve, a bit of a curveball, but what if it goes absolutely terribly? What if you have a sales meeting that just goes badly? What, what do you do in that circumstance? Have you got any particular processes or tips that you actually follow? I think again, this goes in the scenario building at the beginning. I mean, you mentioned earlier that you had a you had a bad meeting because you didn't prepare right. I mean, sometimes it's a case of taking on the chin actually and just realizing that that didn't go well. I'm unlikely to get a deal there. Do I waste the time? Probably not. Um, and, and 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 you know, putting that in the in, in the notes for next time. But but it, you know, if, if, it depends on the deal. Completely depends on the deal. Sometimes I've had um, people that are really hard to to sell to and, and try and knock me down to a rock bottom price that I'm not comfortable with. So it's about knowing when to walk away because that's another that's another um, tip and, and most people don't get this until really two, three, four years into business. Um, and, and we've we've followed this in the past. It's just knowing when that deal isn't right for you. So in my case, um, if schools are you know if schools haven't got the money and they're right down south. You know, we all, we we want to do as much as we can, but we're not for profit. But sometimes we, we just can't do it. Um, you know, if we can't, we have to say no. And just not, not being afraid to say no sometimes again gets you as much respect. Um, so if you, if it has gone wrong and and it's because of that the deal's been right for you, then in that case, you know, I reckon you'll get more respect from them. If it's gone wrong and it's just because you've had a bad day, like you say, you can either take it on the chin or you can. What's the worst that can happen if you apologise and say, I, I, I know I came across uh, a little... As you said earlier, if you'd remember that person said, look, really appreciate I wasn't as prepared as you'd probably have expected. Um, I, have, I had a really busy week. Could I get a chance next time when you're looking for this service? You know, again, that might make them think, and people are only human. 
um, okay, I'm going to give them a chance next time. Oh, well, I tell you what, come and see me again. Uh, and I've had that quite a few times, and that's happened as well. Because we're our only human, and so you can't perform all the time. That is is such a vital thing to remember. It, it's it's one of those things that people ask me when I talk about the podcast guests and, you know, who's a guest and who's on the show and so on. And people ask who, how do you get these people? And you say, well, listen, they're all just human. They are just people. And I really like that idea applied to sales insofar as it's not anything to be scared of. People are just people. And as you said earlier, you're there on your own merit. You've earned the right to be there and they actually want you to be there. Otherwise they wouldn't have said yes to meeting you. And I think, the idea of getting over those little frailties in our own psyche really, really help to pull all, pull it all together and actually allow us to feel a bit more confident about ourselves. And from everything you're saying there, Ben, it does feel like it, 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 it's just about being genuine, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think, uh, the, I mean, the best sales trainer I ever saw was um, Jordan Balfour, and he said it's about being knowledgeable about your, about your product, enthusiastic as hell, as he put it, um, and an expert in your field. And if they can be portrayed in your meetings, then why wouldn't somebody buy off you? Why? And even pay the premium if that's what it takes. Because at the end of the day, that's what you're trying to, and every, when you're trying to buy something, really, you, you want all of them things. And that's something we try to stick to. And as I mentioned earlier, you, you, if you can get that passion, you'll, you look like you know what you're doing. Uh, and and it, and it comes across that you're experts in the field. You've got every chance in, in any sales meeting. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And uh, Ben, what I'd like to do now is just move on to the three actionable takeaways. I know you spent some time putting together three actionable tips to help people conquer the challenge of selling without fear. So if we may, let's dive into actionable tip number one, please. Yeah. So the, the first one was empathy. I think I mentioned it a little bit earlier. Um, is going into that meeting, uh, research the company that you're going to see or the, or the business that you're going to see and actually think about what's in it for them. Why, why am I here? <clears throat> excuse me, why, why, why do they want to buy off me? What could we actually do for them? So it might be as simple as when you're in the meeting and they're talking about something, they're passing on one of your contacts or something else that they might be looking for dementia. And that's happened to me loads of times. But really just digging into what their business is, why, why they, you're in that actual meeting and what needs you're going to be fulfilling. And if you can get, get to grips with that um, and having a bit of an agenda in mind and a goal in mind and how that can work, then uh, actually you'll have every chance. I completely agree with that. And I love the point that you make about connecting people with other people. Um, we had the fantastic Julie, Julie Robinette on the show a while ago talking about the power of being a super connector and actually just making connections for other people, being empathetic to people's needs and figuring out how you can help them. And that I have seen to great effect how that can help convert sales where typically you would be a little nervous about doing so. It's just helping people, isn't it? I think that's really, really important. And let's just swing into actionable tip number two, please, sir. Yeah, uh, I've said here, haggle, haggle, and haggle some more. I mean, during any deal, you, you can't be afraid to, to, to push back a little bit. Um, and as I said, you've got to have them scenarios in your mind and um, so, and know what you're worth as well. So, so if somebody, if, if, you, if you quote for some, some work, um, and they and they say, oh, you know, I'm not really happy to pay that. Then there's got to be some common ground. And again, like I've said, if if the deal isn't right, and sometimes you have to walk away. But if you know if you can do a deal, and, you, and you've got to know the, the situation in your head to be able to haggle, you've got to know what's right for you. So um, if if you get the opportunity to, don't be afraid to push back a little bit. Um, not not all the time, but 
spot the opportunity, and if you can push back, it might be worth an extra couple of grand for that particular contract or deal. Do you know, that's something, and anyone that wants to sell to me, don't listen to this bit, just kind of skip 15 seconds, but I'm terrible at haggling. I'm really, really bad at haggling. It's, it's a natural predisposition to not wanting to be in that. What I see as a bit of a confrontational zone, uh, it's really, really weird, and I, I can't bring myself to do very well with that. Um, so I think that's really important because when I have managed to kind of say, well, look, you know, this is not quite right. And it's normally it's normally a price thing or a value thing. When I have pushback, you do get better results, for not only for yourself, but for everyone. You know, the client gets more value. The client gets more out of you and you're happier with the deal as well. So I see the importance of that. And is that something that you guys had to learn the hard way? Was it one of those that you think, oh, okay, I could have actually got a little bit more out of that meeting. Did you, did you look back on that and think I should have haggled and then developed it from there? Yeah, and you'll see our sales guys. Um all the time we're always kind of looking for that offer um today i think this is go again it just goes back to everybody's perception of selling they're always looking at doing an offer for people um before they've actually spoken to them um, and found out what you know what what they're actually paying at the minute because unbeknownst to you, you might actually be saving somebody a lot of money um by coming to you as, as your business and at, at the end of the day you, you've got to you've got to be true to what your pricing is and if, if it can't be done and just just be honest and say yeah I can't possibly do that. This is why. And if you explain why, then again, people are, are more understanding than if you just stick to a, to, a, to a price and don't really offer an explanation. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. And let's just move on to the third and final actionable tip, please, Ben. Yeah, a bit of reflection. Um, and this can work in both, both ways. As we said earlier, that the deal doesn't always need to be done. It might be that they ask you something a bit complicated and, and people do always push for a price, but sometimes if if it needs a bit of thinking time, don't don't be afraid to to actually say that. And the reason and the reason we do this is sometimes you can actually put a really good proposal to people if they, if you've got that extra day. So if you've gone into a meeting and they, and they start adding on extras, don't be don't don't be afraid to say, well, I'm gonna have to have a little bit of time to take this a bit away. But be prepared to put something together quite quickly, um, and and make sure you follow up that email on the way back or when you just get back, just saying that it'll be with them at, a, at an agreed time. Because like I said, it, it's all about being uh, professional and, and delivering on your, on your promises. And if you can if you can give yourself a little bit of reflection time, again, it goes back to the haggling. Maybe you can you can get a little bit more out of that deal to make it a better deal for you, for you and your business. Yeah, I like the idea. It's the, the, the time to reflect on things is something that I think a lot of people, certainly in the early days, the first two or three years of business, there's always that pressure to give the price because you're so eager to close that deal and get the work in. And sometimes you end up making a rod for your own bat, don't you? Like you say, if they've added spec and you perhaps haven't scoped that out properly. But also just to add from my perspective, you know, when you actually start working on a project, don't be afraid to go back and upsell certain things to people if that spec changes. So if someone wants the scope to creep a little bit, don't be afraid to go back and say, well, listen, this is going to take some extra time or it's going to require some extra investment and so on and so forth because that's the sort of thing that if you don't do, it can really rapidly add up and you end up at a bit of a loss on a job-by-job basis. It's really, yeah. really difficult to manage. And, and, and I totally agree. And I think sometimes you just got to have that. I mean, we've always got <coughs> we've, we, our pricing model allows for, for them actually to, so for example, we go into schools at the minute. Sorry to go back to what we do, but it's, um, it's relevant for the, we, we go up to 250 students. Now, 
if there's 270, we allow that because it's within our, our reasonable amount. So, so always have, I always think if you can have that little bit in, in, in the deal where a little bit of leeway where you'll be uh, in customer service-wise, you, you're giving them a bit of leeway on what, what, they, what they can expect and a little bit extra for the money. But, but it also works the other way, as you said, especially in some industries where you, you can actually fall short and lose money. And you've got to be careful of that. And that's why the reflection time is really key because it also gives you time, um, going back one, to, to work out whether you actually want to do business with that person. And it might be that you think, actually, I couldn't see us working with them. And it goes back to what we said earlier. Sometimes you've just got to be not afraid to say no. Yeah, I love that. And that is a perfect place to actually put a pin in that, Ben. So just before we wrap up, first of all, I'd like to thank you so much for joining me on the show. It's been a real pleasure. That's a really insightful chat, and I'm sure there's a lot of action in there for the listeners. And before we wrap it up, where can people connect with you online, please, sir? Yeah, so I'm at Enterprise Days, uh, which is my uh, personal account, even though it's Enterprise Days, which suggests a bit of work. But it's at Enterprise Days. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm quite open on my LinkedIn as well. People who want to search Ben Dyer, they, they're more than welcome to connect. And I, and I do try and connect with as many people as I can. Superb. Thank you so much, sir. It's been a real pleasure chatting to you. No worries. Cheers, Mark. Excellent stuff. And guys, everything that myself and Ben have spoken about, including all of the links to Ben online, will be available inside the show notes at excellence-expected.com. And listen, whilst you're over there, don't forget you can pick up your free copy of the essential 14-day guide to cutting your working hours and increasing your impact. That is a freebie, so head on over and check it out. Until next time, thanks so much for listening. Don't forget, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel. Adios. Adios.